Again, good morning. It's great to see you all today. Um, we are going through uh, a vision series, our vision series here at Apostles, and we're really considering what does it mean to be a community following Jesus in Houston. And so if you haven't been here over the last uh, about three weeks, what I want to encourage you to do is go back and listen. Go back, uh, check out the podcast online because this is an important moment, I think, in the life of our church as we're really pressing into what it is God is calling us to be and to do as his church, as Church of the Apostles. But basically what we've been doing is we've been kind of talking about this in terms of three goals, framing our life around three goals, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And so as we've been looking at these, we've been taking them kind of one at a time and working through them week by week. And this week, we come to um, this question of what does it mean to do what Jesus did? Do what Jesus did. So we're going to jump right into it. We've got a lot of ground to cover this morning. So we're going to start in Matthew 4. Matthew chapter 4. This is when Jesus called his very first disciples. And when he called them, he said this. He said, follow me. And I will send you out to fish for people. It's a funny phrase, to fish for people. And I think a lot of times we hear that phrase and we think, oh, well, Jesus is kind of clever here, right? He's talking to fishermen. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. But the reality is that Jesus is actually using a very common metaphor for the day that had much to do with what it meant to be a great teacher. You see, a great teacher or a great rabbi was someone who could catch people. He could catch their imaginations, catch their minds, and invite them to follow him. So he was called a fisher of men or a fisher of people. In other words, what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, look, I want you to be fishers of men. I want you to be fishers of people. I want you to come with me. I want you to become like me, and then I want you to do what I've been doing. And so Jesus invites them to follow him, and so they take off, right? They take off on this adventure. They follow him. They become his apprentices, and they follow him around, and they go everywhere he went. And so, for example, in Matthew chapter 5, we're told that Jesus, as he taught the Sermon on the Mount, his disciples were right there with him. That when he healed people and he cast out demons, his disciples were right there. They had front row seats. In our gospel reading from this morning, in Matthew chapter 9, we're told Jesus went to cities and villages proclaiming the kingdom, healing every disease and affliction. And his disciples, they witnessed all of this. They were right there with him, and they saw all these things that Jesus did. Then look at what happens in chapter 10, verse 1. We just read these verses. Then Jesus sent out the 12. And it goes on in verse 7 to say, And he told them, As you go, I want you to proclaim the kingdom of heaven, that it's come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Everything that I've done, everything that I've given to you, I've given it freely. Now you go and you give it away too. You give it freely just as you have received it. And so Jesus sends them out to do what he did. Now they've been watching him, right? They've been with him. They've seen all the things he's did. And so over the course of a few months, probably, they've picked up on that. And he turns to them one day as they're walking down the road. Imagine this. And he says, okay, guys, y'all's turn, right? Can you imagine Jesus looking at you and go, okay, bud, I want you to go heal uh, that person. I want you to go raise the dead over there. I want you to come over here and proclaim the gospel. Can you imagine that moment in the life of these disciples? But that's what Jesus does. He says, I want you to go, and I want you to do what you've seen me doing. 
And then they came back and they talked about it. They kind of debriefed. And this went on. This was a pattern in the discipleship of these men. And then ultimately in Matthew chapter 28, the resurrected Jesus, he takes it to the next level, right? He takes it to the next level. He comes to them and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that I have commanded to you. And he says, remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So here's what I want us to see this morning. That there is a pattern or that there is a method to what Jesus is doing here. First, Jesus comes, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He comes, but he, he kind of busts onto the scene as a teacher, right? As a rabbi. And he invites individuals to follow him. Come, follow me, he says. And so they begin to follow him. And slowly, as they're following him, they become more and more like him, right? Because they're adopting his patterns and his way of life. The way he prays, they begin to pray that way. The way he talks about the Father, they begin to understand God as their Father. On and on and on, they become more and more like Jesus. They get his heart, his compassion for people. So they follow him and they simply do life with him. And then again, at some point, Jesus turns to them and he says, all right, I want you to go out and I want you to do these things that you've seen me do. And then beyond that, eventually he says, okay, you're ready. You guys have been with me for a few years now. I want you to go out and I want you to do what I've done with you with others. I want you to go and make disciples. Now that, that paradigm, what I've just described, is basically the relationship between an apprentice and a master, Right? And this isn't particular to Jesus. This is, this is something that's somewhat kind of universal. It's social theory, right? This is a well-known pattern, whether you're talking about corporate leadership training or whether you're talking about what it takes to become a master electrician, right? It's something called the stages of apprenticeship, and this is what they are, these four stages. It begins with I do, you watch. Then it goes I do, and you help. So think about Jesus' ministry. Jesus takes the bread and the fish, And then he gives it to them, and they help, right? They help with the miracle. But he did it. They help. Then you go on to, you do, I help. You do, I help. You try it, and I'm there with you. I'm kind of coaching you. I'm giving you feedback. I'm giving you instruction. And then the final stage of apprenticeship, you do, and I watch. Go. Make disciples, right? So this is the pattern that Jesus is kind of following here. This is his method of how he's training these men and then sending them out. And the goal of their apprenticeship is to do what Jesus did. As some of you guys know, um, David Jr., uh, our seven-year-old, had a major surgery when he was three to totally kind of reconstruct his windpipe. And I thought of that season in our life this week as I was um, thinking about this morning uh, because he was in this... um, a prolonged hospital stay. He had a three and a half week induced coma just to keep him immobilized so he could heal. And as, um, as that was going on, Langley and I would kind of spend the night, as you can imagine, at the hospital pretty often. And um, there was a, a doctor who was uh, on the rotation at that time, and he would come and he would do rounds uh, every morning at like, oh, dark 30. And we called him uh, Dr. Sunshine because, not because he was so chipper <laughs> or cheerful, 
but because he had this habit of busting in the room with all his kind of interns and med students and flipping on the lights and talking at the top of his voice no matter who was asleep, including us. And so Dr. Sunshine would arrive on the scene, he would wake us all up, but I remember every time he did that, you would, we would kind of squint, open our eyes, and bleary eye, we would, we would realize that there was this crowd, right, standing around us, you know, as we're laying there on this uncomfortable bed, and what was happening was all these, um, these students, all these uh, interns, what they were doing is they were furiously taking notes on their iPad or on a piece of paper, everything he said, they, they wanted to know, they were asking questions, they were hanging on his every word, right? as they followed him around from room to room. Now, why did they do that? Oh, yeah, I love feedback. Come on. <laughs> why did they do that? Because they wanted to what? They wanted to learn. That's right. Now, did they want to learn just what he knew? No, they wanted to learn to do what he did, right? They didn't want to just be students their whole lives, although they would be learners their whole lives. They wanted to get to the point where they themselves would practice medicine, right? Would become doctors. Hopefully not just like Dr. Sunshine, but pretty close. Now, in a similar way, we as followers of Jesus, that's our goal, right? It's to follow Jesus around, to draw near to Jesus and to gather up as much as we can from him, but not just for the sake of having more and more knowledge about Jesus, but so that we can go out in the power of the Holy Spirit, so that we can grow and mature over time into the kinds of people that do what Jesus did. So the question then becomes, what is it that Jesus did? What are these things that we are supposed to do? Now, if you just go through the Gospels, you just kind of survey uh, what you find there, you might come up with a list like this, right? What did Jesus do? Well, proclaiming the gospel, he was teaching the way, healing the sick, casting out demons, eating with people that were far from God, praying, prophesying, peacemaking, challenging injustice and corruption that he found in the world. Now, you might be able to come up with other things that you want to add to that list that Jesus did. But the point is this. As a follower of Jesus, your goal is to be able to do these things, right? That's what it means to be apprenticed to Jesus, not just to be with him and become like it, but to do what he did. Now, who is intimidated by that list? <laughs> yes, all of us are raising our hand. You're just symbolic. We are all intimidated, right? We're all overwhelmed by that. But I want you to think about this way. Think about how long it takes if you want to learn a trade. How long does it take for you to become kind of an expert, a skilled tradesman? Probably two to three years at least, right? How long does it take to get a bachelor's degree? Four years. I was talking to, uh, to Colin a few minutes ago before the service. I said, how long did it take you to become a doctor? He started adding up. He didn't even want to keep going. He just wanted to stop adding. But he said so around 12 years for him, right? So just hold that as a paradigm in your head and think about the fact that it'll probably take a little bit longer for you to become like Jesus. Right? It's not going to happen over time, or over, overnight. It's going to be over time. It's a process. It's going to take time for us to become the kinds of people who grow and mature in Christ to do what he did. Now, you also may be thinking, but there's a big difference here, right? I mean, after all, Jesus was Jesus, right? 
Jesus was Jesus. It's all well and good for us to talk about being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, but let's be honest. Jesus could do those things because he was God, right? I mean, that's how this works, and I'm not God. Now, if you've gotten to that point, good for you. That's a good place to be. You are not God, right? But what I would say is, while it's true that Jesus was Jesus and Jesus was God, I think oftentimes we forget that Jesus was human. Jesus was fully human. Most of the time when we read the Gospels, we focus on the evidence for Jesus' divinity, right? That this is what shows that he really was God in the flesh. But it also reveals his humanity. He had a real body. He faced real temptation. He experienced the full range of what it means to be human. In other words, Jesus was the fullest and most beautiful picture and example of what it means to be human in the world. And his earliest disciples, they knew this because they witnessed this, right? They saw this. They saw Jesus living this out as a human being. And they saw him doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus did all that he did through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we forget that. And his earliest disciples, you know how they did these things? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know how the early church did these things in the book of Acts? It was through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know how you and I do these things as a community of people following Jesus in Houston? It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how we do these things. We can do these things. Jesus tells us to go out and to do these things. So how are we going to do it, right? How are we going to do it in this day, in this age, in our world where we're over busy, we're easily distracted, we're just go, go, go all the time. How are we going to do these things? How are we going to do these things in our historical cultural moment, right, where the church is facing unprecedented hostility in our culture, in our country, where the church is being marginalized, where people are skeptical about our faith? How are we going to do this as a community of people following Jesus in Houston? Well, it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of time, right? I mean, this is a vision for us to live into for not just months or a year, but for years. But as we do that, I want to just give you uh, a few thoughts as we kind of enter into this together to learn to do what Jesus did. And the first one is this. So if you want to take notes on your phone or write something down on your bulletin, a piece of paper, here's where you start, all right? First one, first thing to remember, hold to humility. As we begin to do the things that Jesus did, hold to humility. We want to come at this as learners. We want to be honest about the fact that we don't know exactly how to do this. We need Jesus to teach us how to do this. We want to be people that do what Jesus did, but we need to be humble as we come at this in the context of our culture, in the context of our workplace, our neighborhood, our home. So hold to humility. That's the first one. Second one, remember it's a process. We talked about this last week, but we become like Jesus through teaching, practices, community, and by the power of the Spirit. And this is a process. It's not going to just happen over uh, a few months or a few years. It is a lifelong endeavor. And so we need patience. We need perseverance. We need to help one another. We need to do this in community. We don't do this on our own. We do this together. And so we press into this, and we ask God to teach us. 
Three, be aware of where you are. Be aware of where you are. I mean this in two senses. First, we're all at a different point in our discipleship to Jesus, right? We're all at a different point in that journey. And it's important to realize, I think, when we're talking about these three goals of be with, become like, do, we're not saying this is the one, two, three step to become like Jesus, right? It's not just, okay, well, I got abiding down and I'm done with that. I'm going to move on to becoming like Jesus now, right? There's a sense in which there's a logical progression. You can't become like Jesus if you're never with him, for example. But it's not like you just graduate from one step to the next, right? This is a lifelong process of discipleship. Conversely, it's important, I think, for us to realize if uh, we're learning to be with Jesus, if, if that's kind of what we're really focused on, that doesn't mean that that's all we do. You know, don't come to church next week and be like, oh, I know I was supposed to greet, but I'm just abiding with Jesus right now. So I'm going to take a break from greeting for a little while, just this year, just so I can abide, right? No, we're, we're doing this together. We're doing all these things. We're learning these things together. We're abiding. We're serving. We're going. We're doing. But I think it's important for us to be aware of where we are in uh, this season and this life of our discipleship. So that's the first sense of be aware. Be aware, secondly, in the sense of the season of life you're in. Following Jesus is going to look different. If you're a college student, if you're single, if you're retired, if you've got three kids under seven, for example. I I was talking to a friend um, uh, just a, a few weeks ago, and he was just really struggling because he was recalling just this incredible season of life with God that he had when he was younger. He was talking about just being able to go away for like days, even like weeks at a time just to be with God. And he was talking about doing these incredible th- opportunities of ministry and seeing God do incredible things. And he was just so close to God in that season of his life when he was single. But he's really struggled since work and marriage and kids have kind of become a part of his life of what does it look like? How do I actually do this at this point? And I think it's important for us to remember, it won't always look and feel the same, right? Being with Jesus will look and and feel different based on the season of life we're in. And so I say that because you should not be discouraged. You should not feel guilt as we press into these goals. Be aware of where you are. The truth is, I don't know exactly where you are or what this looks like for you. I mean, some of you, honestly, you probably need a kick in the pants, What you really need is you need someone in your life just to say, okay, look, this Netflix binging and the staying up really too late at night and traveling all the time and all these other things just going on that mark your life. Wow, you need to kind of take a serious look at those things and make some changes. Some of you just need encouragement, right? You're at a place in your life where, man, you just need to simplify and slow down. You are way overcommitted, even with like good church things, right? And so I don't know where you are, but you need to come to God and you need to ask him to help you figure that out in this season of life, to be aware of what it is that he's asking you to do. And then be creative, right? If you're a stay-at-home mom right now, it's going to look really different for you, you know? Just getting to the end of the day and having 10 minutes to take a shower might be a win, right? (laughs) So reading a psalm at the end of, of the day, man, that... That might seem small in another season of life. It might be huge and life-giving for you right now. So just be aware of where you are in your stage of discipleship and in your season of life. All right, number four, prioritize community. We need each other in order to do what Jesus did. That's the bottom line. 
Uh, our city, um, I want to come at it this way a little bit. Our, our city is longing for the life that, that only Jesus offers. People all around us, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. And do you know the most powerful and compelling evangelistic thing that we could do as a church? Do you know what that is? It's actually to be a community of people following Jesus in this city. It's to be a community of people who are learning to be with him and become like him and doing what he did. A people whose lives aren't plagued by busyness and anxiety like the people around us. A, a life that's marked by joy and gratitude. A community where we are committed to Christ, so committed to Christ that it actually changes the way we live. That when people come here, they're like, wow, those people, they really love each other. And you can tell. It's not just checking a box on a Sunday. They love each other. And when we're experiencing that kind of transformation as a community, other people will be drawn to that. When we're flourishing in that, the life with Jesus that we were made for, that we long for, other people will want that, and they'll be drawn to that. This fall, we're going to uh, start something called Alpha. And I'm really excited about Alpha, and we're going to talk more about that in the months ahead of exactly what it is and how it works. But I, I just bring it up because Alpha is an intentional way for us as a community to invite our friends and our neighbors, not only just to hear the good news of Jesus, because it does that, but to experience life in a community that's been transformed by Jesus. And so I think if we can press into something like an alpha, God can take it and he can use it. And he can not only use it in the lives of our friends, he'll use it in our lives because we'll be given the opportunity to do what he did. We'll, we'll get to share the gospel with people. We'll get to gather around and share a meal with people who are far from God. We'll get to pray for people. We'll get to see the Holy Spirit do incredible things like bring healing and deliverance in people's lives. And that's what we want. That's what we long for. But the key is, if we want to see people's lives transformed, our community has to be transformed. We have to be transformed. If we want people to be drawn to Jesus, we have to be a community committed and growing in Christ together. Number five, start simple. Start simple. If that list that I put up a few minutes ago is overwhelming to you, and I'm sure it was, pick something easy, right? Don't make this harder than it has to be. Pick something easy. For example, you might pick the thing where, um, of eating with people who are far from God, just eating meals with people who are far from God. Langley and I moved into our new house on Balin Street yesterday. We are so excited, so grateful to God for that house. You know what we're most excited about? is getting to use that house to practice radical hospitality. We are so excited about the neighbors that God has put right around us and, and just having this vision of having them gather around our dinner table and sharing life and getting to invite them into a place where they experience the powerful presence of Jesus in our home. And it begins with just a meal. It's that simple, inviting them over for a meal. So how many of you eat dinner? Right? Okay, that's all of us, right? All of us eat dinner. So let's say, what if, what if just once a month, you said once a month, I'm going to find a way to eat dinner with someone who's far from God. I'm going to find a way, maybe I, I, if we're meeting every week for our life group, we just take a week off. Or maybe it, it, you just look at your schedule and we say, this night is going to be dedicated to inviting somebody over, somebody you know from your kid's school, somebody who lives in the apartment building with you, someone you know that's far from God, you're just going to invite them over, and the only agenda is to be with them and get to know them 
and to love them. And you do that around the table. Jesus said, love your neighbor. Here's an easy, simple way to do that. Invite them. We can all do it. We can all do this. So start with something simple like that. And then finally, six, live in the moment. Live in the moment. In the gospel, Jesus is constantly being interrupted. Have you ever noticed that? Jesus is always being interrupted. He's on his way to do something. He's going he's to go try to take care of something, and something interrupts. Something stops him on the way. So think of the, the woman who's bleeding uh, on the road. Think of uh, the man outside uh, on the road outside of Jericho. Think of Zacchaeus, right? Jesus is on his way, and he gets interrupted. And I mention that because I think to follow Jesus is to set yourself up and allow for interruptions. You've got to allow for interruptions in your life. Whatever else you've got planned, God's going to interrupt it if you're following him. So think about it this way. Think about that list. All right, how are you going to do some of these things and it not be an interruption, right? You can't schedule cast out demon 3 p.m. Monday, <laughs> right? That's not how this works. It's just going to happen, You're going to encounter someone with a need. You're going to encounter a situation where God is so clearly at work and he invites you into it and it's going to interrupt your plans. It's going to interrupt your schedule. Um, Langley has this great phrase that she she used. She says, discipleship happens on the go. Discipleship happens on the go. It's not just about what happens here. It's not just about what happens in my time with the Lord in the morning. It's what's happening throughout the day. Discipleship happens on the go in the midst of everyday life. And so as we're going along, Jesus is going to invite us to do what he did, and it will interrupt. It will interrupt. And so we need to ask God to help us live in the moment. So I hope you'll, you'll take these six things uh, and just think through and pray through them. Think about your own life. Take this home with you this week and really begin to ask God to help you think about your own life as he's inviting us to do what he did. That's the call of a disciple, of an apprentice, of a follower of Jesus. No matter where you are in your journey with Jesus, you're invited into this to be with him, become like him, and to do what he did. We're going to grow in this together. We're going to grow into the kinds of people that do what Jesus did. And we're going to do that with humility. We're going to do that with faith. We're going to do that over time. It's going to take practice. But I'm excited about stepping into this together as a community that God would really shape us to be with him, become like him, and do what he did as a church. You pray with me. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you sent Jesus, Lord, and you sent him to seek and to save the lost. That's us, Lord. But Lord, you didn't just save us out of life without you. You invited us into life with you. And Lord, we want to step into that life, in the fullness of this life, the life in your kingdom. And so Lord, we pray that you would help us to become followers of Jesus. Lord, teach us what it means to be with you, to become like you, and to do the things that you did. And Lord, we pray that as you do that, you would shape our community and that you would draw many, many, many to Jesus. Lord, that is the longing of our hearts, to see others' lives transformed as you are transforming ours. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for calling us into something so incredible. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.